G'day legend, welcome back or welcome to the Noob Stereo Podcast. Interviews with absolute mad spearing frothers from all over the planet. Today it's Jared Rosenberg. He is a, a gun veteran strength and conditioning coach from WA. An absolute, he's an absolute passionate Sparrow for sure as well. And today's episode is all about making the most of the spearfishing life. Whether it does come to come down to physical conditioning or being a bit underdone, uh, or it's just having the right attitude and mindset as you get out there. Jared's got some wisdom, and uh, we go a little bit philosophical at the start of this, and uh, I hope you enjoy some of the broader thoughts that um, some of us have about what spearfishing means to us and how we engage with it. So anyway, um, the Coffs Blue Water Freediving Classic is coming up. It's on the 16th and 17th of March. Are you going? This is possibly... It's definitely in the top five most prestigious comps in, on the Australian spearfishing calendar. They get legends from all over the planet. It's um, set up 100% with sustainability in mind. Very clever comp, a very social comp, and a very cool one to go if it's your first ever comp. It's probably a great one to go and rub shoulders with um, some legends, but also some people that share similar values to you. Um, in other news, the Spear Ready program, which we're going to chat about in this episode, uh, we're getting ready to launch it March 1st. I'd love some beta testers in there. If you want to be part of it, um, go to noobspearer.com forward slash spear ready. What is spear ready? It is about making the most of your spearfishing trip charter or competition and actually arriving physically and mentally prepared. Um, we're putting together a program that involves dry or pull training, strength and conditioning, uh, nutrition, and everything else in between. But the focus is always on being actionable and a actually able to be able to pull it off in your day-to-day -day life because I know I'm pretty busy and and I'm betting you are too. So the focus on this whole 50-day program is to get you as best prepared as we can. And so there's some expert advice. I've, uh, I hit up some legends to create some videos and guide us through how to get the most out of a 50-day prep program um, with minimum effort. I'm all about that 80-20 baby. And uh, hey... I've also got a cool Zoom call coming up, March 13th, Panama Spearfishing Adventure with Robert. Uh, we're going to do a live Zoom call and talk about, he's going to give us a broad overview of Panamanian spearfishing, what you can get up to over there, the logistics of it all. If you're interested, go to noobspero.com forward slash Panama. That's noobspero.com forward slash Panama. Hey, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. It is Jared Rosenberg. I used to get told there are only two certainties in life, death and taxes. But I found out that there are actually three. Score a free hat of your choice when you use the code NoobSparrow with every purchase of over $100 at noobsparrow.com forward slash taxman. Get some gear that's nearly guaranteed to drive away the wokesters, but gain admiration from the fishing fraternity. Go to noobsparrow.com forward slash taxman and use the code NoobSparrow when you spend $100 or more to get yourself a free hat. Again, noobspero.com forward slash taxman. <laughs> Danny says, Adreno, you guys are ahead of the game. Price is very competitive. Customer service is fantastic. Speed of delivery from your warehouse is the best I've ever experienced. And everything I have purchased was in stock. Great experience. Highly recommend these guys for anything to do with what happens and what you need to get under the water. That review from Danny. Check him out at adreno.com.au. These guys do a fantastic job outfitting Noob Spiros from all over, particularly Australia. But check them out at adreno.com.au. You can save $20 on every purchase over $200. Not only 
and you use it online, but you can also use it in-store. They've got two stores in Brisbane. They've got the Gold Coast, Sydney, Melbourne, Perth. Check them out. They are doing good things. Adreno.com.au Are you US-based? Looking for freediving, spearfishing gear? Neptonics is the best. Their online website is so easy to use. If you've got any questions, Jerry and the team answer questions via phone, email. Anyway, they've got an easy contact form on the site. Uh, these guys are absolute legends. And uh, if they sell it, they believe in it, they back it, they use it themselves. It's tough gear that works. Visit neptonics.com. Use the code NOOB10 to save 10% on any order at neptonics.com. That's right. Use the code NOOB10, N-O-O-B-10 on your next order. Save 10% at neptonics.com. G'day, guys. Today I'm joined by probably maybe the fittest man I've ever had on the No Spirit podcast. He's uh, he's a deep thinker. He's a, he's a strength and conditioning coach. Um, but he's also a passionate WA-based Spiro and a genuinely nice bloke. It's uh, Let's get into it. Jared, welcome to the show, mate. G'day, Shrek. How are you? It's um, great to be here and I appreciate you having me on. Mate, I listened to a brief podcast with you a little while ago, Nick Crowcamp's Better Spearfishing podcast. You jumped on there. The episode was too short. It was 24 minutes long. I felt like you had a lot more under the hood than that, than, than we got in there. But it was a good little yarn. Yeah, no, that was, I enjoyed that with Nick. Um, that uh, popped my, my podcast cherry and, uh, <laughs> and it, was, it was a great experience. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, there's definitely a lot more in the, that that I could have talked about for sure. So um, hopefully we can go down a few rabbit holes today and have a good chat. You're you're a little bit like me too. Like you're, you're, um, you, you, you took spearfishing on, or you maybe you revisited. It, I'm not sure, but at a later date. Like I remember, and I've told the story before on the podcast. But like um, a few years ago, I walked into a jujitsu gym. I think I was 37 or 38, and I started jujitsu for the first time in my life. hadn't uh, And the reason for that was I, I was starting a job in corrections. Um, that we they gave us some control and restraint training, but. I sort of asked, hey, look, I don't really feel super confident after three days of control and restraint training. How can I be even better and get competent with, you know, physical stuff? And the guy was like, go and do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And we, we that, that, that sort of started the ball rolling. But I was 37, 38, walking into, you know, a, a Jiu-Jitsu place and immediately felt uncomfortable because the older you get, sometimes the harder it feels to... To, to be incompetent at something, which you are when you start anything. You just, you don't even know what you don't know. You, you're walking in there. You... So f- for you, uh, how old were you when you started spearfishing and could you relate to that story at all? Uh, I can definitely relate to it, mate, because I actually did a bit of jiu-jitsu myself. I uh, started quite late. Well, I was late 20s when I, when I did it. Um, but yeah, definitely felt behind the eight ball when I walked in there. I was getting my ass handed to me by much younger guys. I got I got outrolled by a guy who was sixty four kilo. He submitted me three times in five minutes. I was like, tap yeah. me out, and I was like, yeah, yeah. it's a it's a very humbling experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, gave it up. Just too many injuries for me to be to be honest. Uh, I was just spending way too much time and money at the chiropractors. But <laughs> awesome sport, awesome yeah. sport, fantastic sport, and. Um, yeah, look, um, I started I started spearfishing uh, late. I, I did a um, the way I got started was um, I had a bit of interest in, in freediving. Just started to watch a bit of freediving stuff on YouTube and was really interested in the um, 
the physiology of freediving, obviously mm. um, being a strength and conditioning coach, personal trainer, uh, whatever you want to call me. Um, I, I'm, you know, I'm real, I'm fascinated with physiology of, of things and anatomy and, um, you know, performance in, in sports and yeah, long story short, um, decided to in, in, enroll in a freediving course. And I did a, uh, I did a freediving course with, uh, Darren Aiken from yeah, uh, yeah. Spiros over here. Yeah. yeah. And he's obviously a Spiro and he's like, look guys, this is a freediving course, but I'm going to put a, a, a Spiro spearfishing aspect into it. So I hope that's okay with you. You know, he, who here spearfishes? And I'm like, nah. But, um, you know, he threw in a lot of um, spearfishing kind of uh, knowledge into it and how you can, how the freediving course could, could relate and get you, as, you know, to be a better Spiro. Mm. Um, and, yeah, just really enjoyed the course. At that stage wasn't really... My, my intention wasn't really to get into spearfishing, but sort of, you know, I came away from course and thought a bit about what Darren said and I thought, wow, like spearfishing actually sounds amazing. And, <laughs> sort of, and I realised in Perth this freediving itself isn't actually great. You've got to, got to go a fair way out to, to get depth and there's a lot. I, I think there's a lot more guys to spearfish than actually freedive over here. So I was like, look, well, while I'm down there, if I, if I get into, if I enjoy freediving while I'm down there, I might as well try and shoot some fish. So, um, yeah, went into um, Darren's dive shop and um, he sold me a Rob Allen uh, 1300 and I bought a secondhand three mil wetsuit, one that he uses with his clients, you know, cheapest chips, gave it to that re- really, really good deal. Oh, bought nice. a plastic set of fins, cheap dive mask and, um, thought, okay, um, who do I go with? Like, <laughs> so what, do I, what do I do now? And, and Darren yeah. actually said, oh, um, actually, when I bought the gun, he's like, um, this guy wants to go to, for a dive tomorrow. And he put me on to a, a South African guy, um, Ant, um, and he's like, why don't you contact this guy? So I just had my brand new 1300 Rob Allen. I was like, oh, yes, okay, I'm going to do this. You know, so sent Ant a message. Um, I said, oh, look, um, Darren, put, uh, give me your details. He said, you're keen for a dive tomorrow. I'm, look, I'm, ne- I'm a newbie. I've never dived, but I'm keen if I'll come out. And he's like, yeah, come out. You know, be in my place at 5 a.m. or whatever. And I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. And unfortunately, I had to cancel that. Oh, <laughs> oh no. You're yeah, one of those like, guys. You were, yeah. that guy. I got sick that night. And yeah. I was a little baby at the time. I was, I was had to send him a message like 4 a.m. or something. He said, oh, oh. I'm, so, I'm so sorry. And this is our, this is our first date, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I just oh, hate that unreliable guy. Yeah. I, I, I just can't go, mate. My kid's sick and, and all this. Been up the whole night. So, yeah, no worries, no worries. And I didn't hear from him for like probably another six months or something. And then I think he must have just couldn't find anyone else. He's like, I'll try that guy again, the unreliable guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he sent me a message. I'm like, yes, I can. And, and I was like, okay, you can't back out this time. And I ended up going out with him. And um, he's been my dive buddy ever since. Ah, sick. The yeah. bromance was born. It, did it he was. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Sometimes life just happens, eh? Like you, you do have to have a level of like, you know, understanding for people when stuff happens, like cars break down and kids get sick, like this is life, you know. Yeah. One I thing with, I think with diving as well, sorry, I think with diving as well, like unless you're 
unless you're consistently going out with guys, you know, in their teens or or like twenties with or early twenties with no family and kids and stuff, it's just part of it. Mm. And I think because like Ant understands that, you know, he's a family guy. He's got kids as well, a bit older than mine now. But you've got to have that. You've got to have that understanding that shit happens. You, you, you're not always going to be hundred percent reliable. So yeah, yeah. The other thing is like sometimes of like younger single guys too. They literally think spearfishing is the most important thing in the whole world. And, like, I love spearfishing. I froth on spearfishing just as hard as everyone else. But I'll tell you something, like, my kids and my wife come way before spearfishing. And uh, and even work takes priority over it because that's how I feed them. So I, I 100% get it. Anyway, so six months on, he trusts you. Walk me through your first day out with him. What did it look like? What Has he got his own boat, obviously? Yeah, he's got his own boat at the time, a little South African uh, boat. Uh, forget what they call them, like a tiny little. Like it was, a sea oh, ski. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's right. And it was like, I wouldn't say it's tiny, but. Yeah, I get it. They're a wet deck, like, oh, they're a just, wet deck like, boat. Five and a half metre, yeah, but yeah. just very shallow boat. Actually awesome for spearfishing, but I saw this boat when I rocked up to his house and I was just like, what are we going out on that thing? You know what I mean? didn't say anything, but I was like, oh, man, okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, got out there and, um, you know, got all geared up and we're straight into sort of, you know, probably sort of 10 to 20 metres of, of water. Yeah. And I think I'd done, I'd done one or two dives before that, um, but just in like kind of 10 metres, pretty, you know, pretty shallow stuff. Yeah, straight out to sort of deeper, deeper stuff. I'm pretty sure that first time the viz wasn't very good either, maybe sort of seven or eight metres. Anyways, we, we're gearing up and he's like, you know, about five k's out or so on sort of three mile reef, and and he goes, "Good luck." And I was like, <laughs> and I was like um, "Yeah, mate, good luck." <laughs> and just watched him slip over the side. And he's gonna listen to this. He doesn't doesn't know any of this stuff of how how I felt. But I was just like, "Shit!" Like I'm so far out of my comfort zone right now. Mm. Um, so I was like, "Okay," um, you know. Jumped over the side and couldn't see the bottom. I'm like swimming around, don't know where Ant is. I'm like, I don't know, like, what the F am I doing out here? You know, like, what am I doing? I've got no idea. I can't even see the bottom. And I was like, okay, all right, just just try and dive down to where you can, do your surface intervals that you learn in your free dive course, you know, be smart, don't, don't be stupid, dive safe. Do what you can. If you can reach the bottom, cool. If you even if you can see it, just just you know do something. You know, so I dived down to where I could, I had a look for what I could see, which wasn't much. And yeah, I don't, you know, I don't think I came home with any fish on that first dive, um, and wasn't too sure I was going to do it again, to be honest. But just kept kind of doing it again and again, and slowly got better and and um, pushed my boundaries a bit and got out of my comfort zone more and more and. Started to enjoy being more out of my comfort zone. Started to get a few fish, a few runs on the board. Started to realise that this is um, something that's like could be a, a lifelong passion. I think. I think that the love sort of started to to um, to blossom a bit, and I was like, "Wow, this thing is just incredible." This sport. So you're in the you're in the PT space. It's an incredibly people intensive pursuit. And whether you're, you know, in the gym talking with your colleagues or whether you're training a client, um, 
people probably don't that are not in like people intensive uh, jobs. They probably don't quite realize the energy toll that takes on you. Did you find spearfishing a good antithesis to that? Was it something that really started pouring back into you? Yeah, definitely. Um, exactly. Like gym, gyms are a pretty intense environment. Um, I'm a pretty introverted kind of a guy. And when I hit midlife, even the even just the noise of gyms, I'm like, oh, you <laughs> asking them to turn the turn the music down. <laughs> like, oh, am I that old? But um, yeah. yeah, it's it's intense. It's an intense environment, and dealing with um, people every day for me is is quite hard. Mm. And when I have, and with two young kids as well, it's like um, never ending. It's intense, yeah. And, yeah. and then to, to go and, and like for me, like my first ocean love was surfing. So I've surfed mo- most of my life. Um, but I got to a point where I'd go go for a surf and like even just being out there with um, with other guys was doing my head in. I was just like, oh, just leave me alone. And then when guys are like paddling and competing for waves, I was like, this is like even that become too intense. And that's always been my my release. And yeah. um, and then like for me, diving was just like there's no there's no one paddling for the same wave even like I'm just yeah. I can be who I want to be and I don't need to compete with like some guy to get a wave and I don't listen need to listen to a client tell me their life story and you know, yeah 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 no, you know, I get it. absolutely it's uh, yeah for sure no no and, and and I think you've probably got a bit of a gift for talking to people but it's like um it, it, it's a bit of a it's it's full effort taking uh, even though you you probably like it and you get a fair amount out of it, it, it it's a, it's something that takes a toll on you. So you do have to find these mechanisms in life that give back into you. And I think as you get older, you've kind of got to realize like, you know, what is taking from me in my life and what actually gives into me. And I think yep. so many Spiros I talk to all have this sense of the similar understanding with regards to like how much it gives back into you. Like it's just so cool being in the ocean. Taking fish and all the rest of it, it's almost like a secondary thing. The actual, just the the action of doing it, you know, the pursuit of doing it and getting right into it. Like it takes you out of what your normal day-to-day is and it puts you into a completely foreign environment. And I think that's part of it. It just feeds you. Yeah, it does. It does. It feeds you on so many different levels that nothing else can, can give you. Mm. Um, speaking of feeding, are we feeding into um, – like my reasons for spearfishing here? Yeah, or is that like, 100%. Yeah? Get into it. Okay. All right. Straight into the deep stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, obviously there's the there's the getting away from technology, um, family commitments, um, society, to be honest, you know, just getting away from all that stuff, which spearfishing fishing gives you. It's adventure. Um, you know, I, I love the aspect of um, of providing for my family as well and providing them with fresh Fresh fish, you know exactly where it came from, and you can tell a story behind it. You know, you're sitting down at the at the dinner table, you're telling your kids exactly where that fish came from, how you got it. it swam out of a cave. He wasn't the smartest fish in the world. That's why I got him. Um, but yeah, there's a whole story behind it, and uh, that's that's a given. I think a lot of guys, you know, feel that as well. For me, um, it's 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 also like. I feel like it just challenges me on so many levels, um, physically, mentally, um, and it just takes me out of my comfort zone every time. And I'm learning every single time I go out there. I'm, I'm learning. Um, 
so it's quite personal. Mm, mm. It's almost selfish, maybe. I don't, I don't know if it's selfish, but for me, it, it helps me become a better version of, of myself as well. It's pretty deep because mm. I've, I've actually thought a lot about why I spearfish. Mm. Um, I, I feel like I need to ask myself that at the start of my journey because I was so far out of my comfort zone at the start. And I thought I was pretty hardcore, you know, like I'd surf some pretty solid waves in my, in my time. Certainly not a big wave surfer by, by any standards, but, you know, I thought I was fairly hardcore. And then I started diving. I was just like far out. Like I think midlife hits you and young kids hit you. And I don't know if you, uh, you know, you can go pretty deep with this, but Carl Jung is someone though who I, you know, I, I enjoy um, reading his stuff and all, all about the shadow and when you hit your midlife, your shadow comes out and you and your kids, you know, having kids I think brings your shadow out and, and in a nutshell, your shadow is basically all the stuff you've swept under the carpet all your life. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff sort of starts to come out. Yep. And, uh, you know, so um, all these sort of um, insecurities came out and 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 I was out of my comfort zone. I was like, am I doing this for the right right reasons? I've got a young family here it's, and, and, you know, should I take up tennis instead? You know? Yeah, it's high risk. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, if, well if you sit yeah. Think about like at the start, I was sitting there thinking about all the things that could go wrong. Mm. And I'm I'm just being honest here, but like, yeah. you know, a lot of guys that dive it seem to be pretty risk averse. They just like, they just like, yeah, mate. Like, let's go. You know, oh, yeah. risk risk tolerant. You mean risk like, tolerant? Is it? Sorry. Yeah, you know, you're right. Risk averse yeah. is like someone that shies away from risk. Okay, I would agree so that with was you. Definitely me, particularly at the start, and yeah, and yeah. so I was asking myself these pretty deep questions, um, like why am I spearfishing? Like, do I really? Am I just in love with the with the um, with the identity? Yeah, is, is this an ego thing for me? And look, at the start, I think it was a bit like I think as spearies, it's a bit of a niche thing. You tell people you spearfish, and they're like, "What? Yeah, what? You spearfish? You know?" Yeah. And you're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and. And like, and it tickles you a bit, it tickles your ego a bit. You're like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Spiro and all this. And at the start, yeah, for sure. But then I was just like, no, nah, it's much more than that for me. Like, like I said, it's, it's making me a, a better person. Um, getting out of my comfort zone, plus all the adventure and the, and the bring home the fish and all that. I just love it. Mm. Yep. As a PT, like you said, you've kind of geeked out on physiology a lot. Do you? Do you think like a lot of people talk about what happens with your sympathetic nervous system and your parasympathetic, like in some of the, you know, the mammalian dive reflex has these, you know, bradycardia and, you know, there's blood shift and all these things going on in your body. You know, that has a profound impact on you too. It also has its own form of fatigue and then there's also a type of adaptation. Um, There's all sorts of benefits with regard to hypoxic training in terms of like the response with your red blood cells and things like that. Did that does that also add to it for you? Do, have you enjoyed the changes you've seen in your body? And and the- absolutely, yeah. I'm always I'm always looking at my at, at myself um, mentally and physically and going like um, before a dive, during a dive, after a dive. What have I eaten? How have I trained? Um, mm. Was I stressed out days leading up to the dive? How did that affect my bottom time? I, I'm always um, sort of self critiquing myself and and using all the knowledge that I've got. Um, you know, work in health and fitness and all the stuff that I read and listen to your podcast and all the rest of it. And I'm I'm always trying to connect the dots to become a better diver. Um, mm. So all that stuff fascinates me and that's, that's um, part of the interest. Yeah, absolutely. Mm.
Since 2001, Ocean Guardian's independently proven and tested products have been allowing ocean goers all over the world to enjoy the ocean without concerns. With products for diving, spearfishing, surfing, snorkeling, boating and fishing, they've got you covered for all your ocean activities. Check out the Freedom 7 or the Scuba 7 and save 10%. Use the code NoobSpero at checkout. If you want to go there and check out their devices, go to noobspero.com forward slash OG. Again, pump in the code NoobSpero at checkout to save 10% on Freedom 7 or a Scuba 7 and get yourself some peace of mind. Check it out. Noobspero.com forward slash OG. Sometimes with weather and commitments, it's a long time between drinks in your spearfishing journey. If you want a dry training program that can keep you in some kind of shape for spearfishing, check out Ted Hardy's 28-day freediving transformation at noobspero.com forward slash Ted. That's noobspero.com forward slash Ted. Now, the 28-day freediving transformation is just a practical dry training plan that Ted Hardy will walk you through and it will help you get results even if you can't get wet at the moment. Check it out at noobspero.com forward slash Ted. Are you in the market for a new spear gun? Killshot Spear Guns has got blue water wahoo tuna guns, open track spear guns, enclosed track spear guns, rear handle enclosed tracks. Check them out at killshotspearguns.com. Even better, I've got some good news for you. You can save $30 on any Killshot Spear Gun at killshotspearguns.com. Use the code NOOB. If you're in store, just say, Crikey, mate, or say Shrek from the Noob Spiro sent you, and you'll save $30. Ed Martin at killshotspearguns.com. Check them out. With regards to just reconnecting with what we were talking about earlier, that you know, like you and... Was an ant jumped off the boat and he was like, good luck. And then he headed off and <laughs> kind of left you there. He still, hey, look, does, no, he still does it, by the way. <laughs> hey, no, and look, a lot of guys are still like that. And and I'm not here to sit on my pedestal and judge people. I I, I wanted to talk a bit about that because so we've tied in this passion, right? We we want to get away from people and our everyday lives and turn stuff off. And the reality is sometimes when you're buddied up with people, it's another form of work. Like you, you honestly, with the wrong people, with the people that don't share a similar value set to you, yep. you spend all day looking after them. And that's not why I'm going out there. But so w- what generally happens is people just go and solo dive to get away from that. You go that way, I go this way, sweet. I still think that there's another, there's a third way, right? Which is pretty much like you be super chill with yourself, like, like give yourself permission to dive. But then you also apply that same level of compassion to yourself to the person that you're diving with. So you'd never rush them. You don't snake them and steal their fish. You don't make them feel like it's a competition. And then if, the, if they can reciprocate those values, that's how you have a good ongoing buddy relationship. But it, it's, it's hard. It's not simple because it's people. And whenever it's a relationship or, with you know, even if they are the same people you go diving with all the time, it's not always easy. So... I don't like the fact that we're either solo diving or we're buddying up and we're resenting it. I almost feel like we we kind of got to go another couple of steps further and that's like just be kind to each other. But it's like sometimes as Spiros, we're pretty frigging rough. We're like, you know, like I don't know. We're, a lot of us are type A, competitive type personalities and, you know, the idea is like I've got three hours out here and I'm going to make the most of it. And there's, a, there's, a, there's an economy I think sometimes that gets in the way of just being a good person. What do you think? Yeah, um, yeah, that's kind of how that's yeah, that's how I summed up um 
And, you know, after a while, I was like, okay, um, he's been diving for 40 plus years. He's on, you know, ex South African or South African guy. He's pretty confident in the water, obviously. This is his downtime. This is his way of, you know, he gets of doing what he wants to do and he obviously likes, enjoys just doing it on his own. You've got to respect that. Mm. And I was like, cool, all right. Um, and and then, look, I haven't dived with many other guys before, but um, the few guys that I have dived with, I've, I've had I've had good and bad experiences. I've had guys where you're like, you know, you're buddy diving with them and then you, you do a drop and, you, you know, you come up to the surface and they've swam away. And I'm like, I might as well be solo diving, you know. Yeah. And then I've had, I've recently dived, I think you've got one of his pictures there behind you with Derek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, this recently I dived with Derek a few times. He's come out with me and Ant, and um, and he's just awesome to dive with. You know, like yeah. it's like it's proper. Like let's look after each other. Yeah, you can see a good fish, um, and you come up, tell the other person about it. There's no competition. It's all like it's the way it should be. It's freaking awesome. And when I've dived with him, I've, I've found myself having more fun, um, pushing harder, but felt safer. Um, and, like, I spend so much time on my own anyways that when I go out and dive, it's nice to have a good dive buddy. It's almost like a social occasion. Yeah. I'm not the guy who's out of the pub, at the TAB. Um, you know, I don't hang out with friends outside of diving very much. So, for me, it's, it's, it is my social thing as well. So, if I have a good yeah. dive buddy, it's even better. And I love yeah. And I love watching the other, I love watching and learning from another person as well. Mm. So when you're diving on your own, you kind of, you really are on your own, aren't you? And you're not, you know, yeah. you've got to figure a lot of stuff out on your own. But when you when you watch someone, you can learn from them. And you can also, like, I just, you, sometimes I look at the person I'm diving with, I'm like, wow, is that what I'm doing? Yeah. You know, it's almost like you could take a step back and you go, wow, that's cool. How cool is that? It gives <laughs> you more perspective. Uh, yeah, it, it, ma- it, ma- it makes your spearfishing experience larger. Yep. Which, um, but it's hard. It's hard because it's like you, you've got to have to share some similar value sets. And um, But I think it's just, that's part of the reason why we have the conversations on the podcast. It's kind of, you know, we're all rising together. We're all going to get better. And, you know, like I, I go I'll go, I go out with some people and I think, shit, I'm, I, I just prefer to go diving by myself. I, I know I'll shoot more fish. I know yeah. I will. And I won't have to worry about you because you're terrible. Because, you know, every time you come up, I'm there waiting for you and, Every time I come up, you're fucking 50 meters away. Yep. So, you know, it's all good. I, like, all good. I, I don't mind if, if if we jump off the back of the boat and the guy's like, hey, I'm just going to go over that way. I'm just like, all right, well, that, that's your choice. Yep. I'm going to have to modify my diving. Like me yep. personally, like my my buddy practices when I'm in shallower water are a lot different than they are when we move out a little bit wider. But um, it's good when you just have these open and honest conversations with people and then you just kind of work out where you're at. And um, I yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like you got to modify your diving, and that's that's what you should be doing all the time, anyways. But yeah, you, that's right. Like you go, okay, um, I'm diving my my now, so just be super strict with your surface intervals. You know, just try and dive, dive to your capabilities. Don't push it too hard. Just modify yourself all the time. Mm. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, Simon Tripp said it. Like I think way back in the day, he's like, you know, you're only bit of safety equipment as your as your dive buddy because like that's how we mitigate most of the risks right like someone's on the surface above you you've got more visibility from boat traffic um sharks are also 
more threatened because you're a larger mass in the water when you're together, you know. If you do black out, someone is there to potentially grab you and pull you up to the surface. If you don't have that and you're solo diving, it's all good, right? But you just don't have that, that main risk mitigation strategy, which is a buddy. And then we've just touched on all of the social in, impacts of it as well. Like when I was over your way last year in WA, there was a moment there where I was sort of like on that sick fringe area, you know, you get where rubbly like reef sort of breaks out into sand. And I was laying in like, I don't know, 15 or 16 meters of water. I, I don't know, I'm not just saying it to talk about depths or whatever, but I was, it was just a wicked moment. I was three or four days into a dive trip and I was spending a bit of time there looking out and there was all sorts of fish hanging around out in the sand. And Bert, Bert was watching me from the surface, like, you know, and we had 20 meters visit or something. He's watching. And then I didn't realize it, but a manta ray just comes straight in over top of me, like fully covered me, blacked all the light out. And then uh, I knew what was going on. And, but Bert saw the whole thing. You know, I didn't have a GoPro on. That's not on a YouTube channel. Like it was just something that happened that him and I got to share in, you know. And he was like, you know, we were both buzzing about it, you know. It had nothing to do with spearfishing. Just a, a wicked encounter with a with an animal in the water, and those are the other things that you get when you buddy up together. You you, you get to share this experience together, which um, although it's rewarding and gratifying by yourself, sometimes it's it's more with another person, you know. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I've had very similar experiences um, with manta rays, humpback whales as well, and sharing that experience with other with a dive buddy and. I don't think you ever forget it. Like I reckon if I catch up that dive buddy in 20 years' time, we'll be like, oh, I remember that day at, you know, that spot, that humpback whale swam underneath us. Um, it's incredible. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's more special when you get to, you, 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 you share it with somebody else. Uh, mm. It sounds a bit fluffy. I don't know. but no, That's uh, all good. Let's go infinitely practical though. Um, so, you know, you're jumping off this boat, you're in um, depth that's extremely uncomfortable for you, you know, like – Visibility is not great. I'm sure that that is a similar scenario each and every time you were jumping in when you started. Walk me through some of your skill acquisition. Like how did you start becoming more comfortable with an uncomfortable scenario? Um, I don't know. I think I think the main thing is really is more time in the water. I mean, it's it sounds a bit cliche, but the more you're out, the more comfortable you do get in the water. Um, and I think learning to relax is a bit of an art. And the more you're out there, the more you just learn to relax. Mm. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll do like a, um, like a, it's like a two to one breathing ratio where I'm sort of breathing out twice as long roughly than I'm, that I'm breathing in to sort of try and get the heart rate down a bit. Mm. Um, you know, some days, I'm not, some days I'm just more comfortable than others for whatever yeah. reason. Um, you know, some days I'll stay a bit closer to the boat. Um, some days I'll throw a shark shield on, you yeah. know, like those sort of things, just like be kind to yourself and go, okay, I'm, you know, I, I remember you did an, an interview with um, Jamie, someone I think, who's the guy in Vanuatu, mm. with the big and, and he's writing to his yoga and stuff. I really enjoy that interview. And he's just like, I think he said he starts every dive by just sort of going down and sort of he'll lie on the bottom or 10 metres or whatever and he'll kind of go, he'll sort of check in with himself mm. and he'll go, how am I feeling today, you know? And some days you're just feeling better than others. Mm. Um, yeah, so 
Luke Luke Potts uh, has recently started getting active again on social media. Shout out to Luke. Um, he's got a How to Spearfish video series. One of the most profound techniques I got out of watching all of them was a, a technique he calls the rate yourself relaxation technique. So while he's laying there on the surface, he's like, he rates himself out of 10, I think it was. So, you know, unless you're at a three or lower, he, he just doesn't dive, you know, like, and I think that it's almost like drawing techniques from mindfulness and stuff like that, which a lot of people dismiss as a bit woo-woo. I know, I know that, through some difficult seasons of my life, I actually started doing this Headspace app and using some of these techniques. And then as I became a freediving instructor, you learn a little bit more again. But all of them share this commonality and it's sort of focusing inward to sort of notice a few things about yourself. And then when you have that level of awareness, you're in a much better position to make the most of the opportunities that are in front of you. I like that rate yourself relaxation technique because it's like, hey, at least uh, unless I'm at a three or a two or a one, I'm not even going to dive, right? I'm just going to sit here and chill and, and get myself into the groove before I go because, shit, I've, I've, spe- I've been out to see so many times and the surface conditions are hectic and one bit of your equipment doesn't fit right and, you know, maybe you're a bit nervous about um, the water's dark or it's murky or whatever and it's like it's, you're struggling to get even to a six on the relaxation scales and you're still pumping out dives, you know, and you're like, why am I only doing 40-second drops? And it's like, well, because you feel like shit, you dickhead. Um, yeah. But, yeah. I, I think that's really important because you're not going to be diving to the same level every time you go out. Mm. I think that's really important to, to realise that. You're going to feel different every time you go out. And, you know, if my heart rate's up a bit or a bit uncomfortable, I'll ask myself, why am I feeling like this? Oh, that's right. I just had a double espresso <laughs> before I came out. That's why your heart rate's up. Like, okay, in another hour or so, you're probably going to be a lot more relaxed. I had a bacon and egg McMuffin and a frigging <laughs> double shot latte on the way here with three sugars in it. Oh, it's probably yeah. why I feel like shit. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, look, and so many things can, can affect your, your dive that day. If I've had a, if I've had a really stressful week, um, and or I haven't had much sleep the night before, your nervous system is already on, mm. on a high alert, you know, and it doesn't take much to be uncomfortable in the water. If you've had a great night's sleep and I'm not that stressed the week leading up to the dive mm. and it's gravy is, you know, you're probably going to feel a lot better and it's just going to change from dive to dive and that's part of what I love about diving is just that constant sort of reassessment of yourself and conditions and, yeah, it's awesome. The, the more you the more you do it, the worse the some of the stuff gets. The pressure you put on yourself, it's like like I'm a freediving instructor now, and it's it's almost like you pile the weights upon your own back. And like, if I've done like a big week at work, right, and I get in the in the water, I now know that my diving is not going to be that great. I'm just carrying a level of physical, emotional, mental fatigue, yep. Yep. and I'm just not going to be able to perform at my best. And yep. now I'm a bit older, I come to accept that reality, but. I'll give you this example, right? A little while ago, I ran a course out and I'm, I've got to tie the, the line on for our freediving float in 15 metres of water. And um, the current pushes a little bit and the vis was like four or five metres. So it wasn't, you know, it's not great. It's not pretty. I've got these landmarks that I line up on and I t- I'm tying off this wreck. Anyway, I start punching out these dives and like the first dive, I'm like, I'm sure I'm in the right spot. But like I couldn't even see the bottom and I'm like, out of breath, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to get there, find my landmark, tie off on it and come back. So I was like, ah, well, 
And I must have just had a shit breathe up. So I come back to the surface and have a good breathe up, make sure I'm bang in the right spot again. And I head down again. And then I'm like, this is pathetic. I, I'm really struggling here. I'm supposed to be an instructor teaching a course and here I am. I can't even get to the bottom to tie my fucking line off. Anyway, I did that one more time and then I looked down and I realized I don't even have my weight belt on. So not only am I like really struggling my ass off with this task, then I realized like oh, I'm missing all this lead and I was wearing a really buoyant wetsuit. And, you know, it's funny how hard we are on ourselves and I'm just like, it's all good, just relax, you know. Yep. I went and put my weight belt on, come back out, pump down, tied the thing off and then a big tusky come in on me and I was like, it's funny how your brain lies to you about how you're just not worthy, you're not competent, you're not good enough and it's always there roaming around and it's just like, it's like there's this, like you were talking about, yeah, Jungi and stuff like the dark side. That part, I think, is always trying to rob you of joy in the moment, you know, and ego and all that shit because part of this is about ego. is like, it's ugly thing, man. It wrecks dives, you know. I always tell people now, like, and the same thing on my course, you know, if you're not a frother, if you do not froth on what we're doing, then you're in the wrong place. Like, I don't I don't care how good you are. Like, I, I don't care if you've got 10 world records and you won every competition in the world. No one gives a shit. How much do you froth on this thing? Or is it just, is it a social credit thing for you? Because it's weird if it is. Yep. Like, go do something else. Like, this is not what this is about. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, um, just sort of taking it back a step, like, you know, if I know I'm diving on the weekend, like, and I'm, I can tick all the boxes, like physically, you know, I can do my runs, I can do my strength training, I can eat really well, avoid caffeine, not drink during the week. But when you get in the water, if you've had a stressful week, all that stuff will only get you so far. So then you've got to be honest with yourself and go, okay, yeah, I'm, I've had a stressful week. Don't expect to be doing bottom times or hitting depths that you have in the past. It's all good. Don't accept that. Yeah, yeah. Do you surprise yourself sometimes? Do you go out there and you think that you're not going to go that well and then you go better than you thought because you just relax into it? Yeah, well, that's um, an, another point. I, I think on that, on that point is basically um, when I haven't been diving much, I find sometimes I have my best dives because if I haven't been diving for a while, on the way out, um, I'll tell myself, uh, you know, you, that bad voice can get in your head and go, oh, you haven't dived for ages. Like, oh, you're not even a spear anymore. You haven't been out for a couple of months, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> and and, and like, yeah, like you said, that negative voice. And then and then I'll, I'll try and use a positive, a positive voice um, and I'll say, look, um, just get out there and 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 I think the expectations are actually take I said get out there if you get a fish that's a bonus mm. and then I actually drop my expectations and when I drop my expectations what happens is I actually end up relaxing more mm. and come home with more fish a lot of the time we had a a PT at work the other day doing a bit of stuff with us and he was talking about his seventh point of his presentation was about perfectionism and how it sort of, it just, it kills us. And I, it sort of reminded, what you were just saying then reminded me of that. I think perfectionism is a, is a it can be a real killer, eh? Yep, for sure. Yep. Right, so you've been spearing a while now. How long have you been at it, Jared? Uh, so I'm 47 now. 
Um, th- I think I first got out when I was 39, 40. So, yeah, um, righto. Seven, seven, eight years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. Okay, so what, what species do you love to hunt over there? Like I, when I went over there, I was like asking around and obviously like I really wanted a bull chin groper that are not particularly like hard to hunt, but that was, they're just an iconic WA species. You guys have got the ranking cod up there and you've got the, the dew fish as well. Like it's just, um, WA is a special place. Like well, what do you like to hunt there? Um, anything I can hit that tastes good really. <laughs> um, oh, look, yeah, like Jewies, Jewies and Baldies are kind of the main, the main fish that we get. Um, around Perth. Um, obviously, like diving up north, you get a lot more species, um, but most of my diving is around Perth. And um, if I come home with a nice jury, I'm, I'm very happy. Um, Bulging gropers is probably the fish that, um, that I shoot the most of. And look, when I first started, I couldn't hit one to save myself. I was like... Um, why can't I? Why can't I shoot one of these? And now, now I find them pretty easy to shoot. Um, and what I figured out about them was, if I could get to the bottom, um, look down at look down at the reef, don't look at them for like ten seconds or so. This is assuming you've kind of you've seen one at the surface or on the way down, whatever. Yeah. But you know, one's around. Just don't show any interest and. Sort of nine times out of ten, when you look up, they're, they're either the same distance that they were, or they've come in closer, and yep. you get a good shot off on them. So, love, love hitting baldies because I'm pretty successful at, at hunting them now. Um, yeah, nice. Yeah, love a good jury. Um, well, just just circling back to your to your to your baldies, I think it's a really good scenario you pointed out there, and something that a lot of people overlook. So, okay, so if the this is good enough from the surface. Often you'll spot a baldy from the surface. Um, is it the chin that you're looking for? Is it the silhouette? Is it color? What? 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 From visually from the surface, what's the kind oh, of? From the surface, there's a certain way that that baldies swim that you'll mm. recognize after a while. Yep. It's hard to describe. It's like they don't use their tail much. It's all like, it's all the all the fluttery. Uh, yeah, fluttery pectoral fins. The, the pectoral fins. Yep. Okay. All right. When you're on that, when you're on that level, a big one, you can see the big chin, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, that's nice, baldy." But from on top, it's more the way they move in the water. Okay, nice. All right. So you're saying like sometimes you can spot them like that from the surface, but otherwise, like let's just say you're diving 15 meters and you got 10 meters vis. Are you sort of like um, dropping down, and then as you're getting enough visibility of the situation, do you sort of look up and have a look, and then determine where you're going to touch down on the bottom? In relation to the fish, um, yeah, for sure. Like if I see the fish on the way down, I'll try to I'll, I'll keep in my mind where that where that fish is. Yep. Um, and then I'm like, okay, the fish is over there. I'm gonna try and hit the ground as close as I can without spooking it. Yep. And then I'll do my kind of look down, just put my head down, show no interest. And then when I look up, particularly if it's a baldy, they're, they're pretty – and Jewies as well, they're pretty territorial fish as well. If, if you don't make noise on the way down um, and you don't show too much interest, you know, they're, they're pretty – you know, they'll, they'll be there as well. They're, they're not that that um, that skittish. I look down look down the reef and then look up and quite often they're just there or close, close by. So while you're looking down and deliberately not looking at them, are you generally starting to position your gun – in the direction that 
you, you assume the fish is still going to be or it's going to be? No, I'm probably not doing it. I'm not even doing that at that point. It's okay. probably about, there's probably about 10 seconds where I'm just trying to kind of look like the marine environment, I guess, just try, try and blend in as much as I can. Okay. Then when I look up and if I see the fish and it looks like it's within range, then I'll start to sort of, you know, get my gun ready and all that. Nice. Yep. All right, cool. Um, mate, that's great. That's great. There's some, a lot of like really good um, hunting body language and thoughts that you're sort of putting out there. And some people almost like want to dismiss the stuff and rush through it. It's like we've forgotten kind of what we've learned, you know. So there's cool stuff. Do you When you uh, are resting on the bottom – do you try to find cover or are you happy resting in the open? What does your body position look like? Um, Depends on yeah, the situation. Well, well, on the situation, like wherever yeah. I've landed, if there's if there's a bit of cover, if there's a rock, I mean, it seems to be like over here is pretty flat, pretty flat reef. It's not like we have big boulders to hide behind or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm just um, – if there's a little bit of structure that I can sort of hide behind, then absolutely I'll sort of um, I'll try and hide behind it. But otherwise, like I said, yeah, just trying to look like the the environment as much as possible and stay keep my profile low. You know, um, yeah. All right, cool. I was just going to say that that print behind me that you can see that Gearaku print that's a Chinaman. That is my first attempt at a Gearaku with Derek's coaching, but this fish here. Um, Probably got too much light in it there. I'll yeah, it's too much, too much light. Hold the other side. Yeah. Um, this is my first uh, good baldy. Uh, wow. Derek, Derek did that one for me. Uh, if guys want to watch this video, um, go to noobsparrow.com forward slash Jared, J-A-R-E-D, um, and you can have a look at um, these these prints and also Jared's handsome mug. <laughs> but, yeah, like um, he's a mad dude, Derek. I, I, and th they are a special fish. You guys, are, you guys have got um, an, an amazing coastline, amazing species over there. Yeah, I'd like to get up north a lot more. Um, hopefully, in the future, there'll be a lot more up up north trips um, for the pelagics. You know, um, yeah, a lot more mackies up there and stuff. But um, yeah, we're we're blessed with a pretty amazing coastline. I remember sort of coming in on the boat the other day. And the water just looked incredible. Like, had a great dive, um, got a nice dewy on the boat. And I said to Ant, I was like, look at this water. Like, we could be in the Caribbean or, like, the Seychelles or, or uh, Mauritius or something, you know? Like, it's yeah. just it's just beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love it. The boat trips out there. Like, sometimes on Instagram, the I don't really like Instagram, but sometimes the best reels I see are just, like, a camera on the front of a boat you know, going flat chat, and you've got a glass out or a slicker, as they call it in America. And, and um, you know, they're, they're amazing moments. Like um, there's something like, I don't know, it's, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool thing that we get to do. Yeah, it is. You're right. And uh, it's like not many people get to see this. You know, a lot, a lot of people in Perth get to, you know, sit on the beach or maybe go for a swim at the beach and look out and go, wow, look at that water. It's nice. But mm. – so that moment, heading back on the boat, you just go, wow, this is like not many people really get to experience. I know there's a lot of line fishermen out there, I guess, that get to experience. But um, it's the whole experience. Like I've been for a dive, I've got a nice fish here, now we're on the boat, look at this water, and, and uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty special. I love that feeling underwater when you pull the trigger and you know exactly where that shaft is going. You want something dependable. You want to put that fish that you've been chasing for a lifetime in the boat, in the cooler, in the esky. 
in the chili bin if you're in New Zealand. Why do we call all these things different names? Anyway, today's show sponsor, KillshotSpearGuns.com, make awesome wooden timber spear guns, a fantastic shooting platform. If you've ever shot a big timber gun, you know the, the reliability that you get from these things. Uh, he mostly makes enclosed track spear guns. Visit him at KillshotSpearGuns.com. Use the code NOOB to save $30 on any Killshot spear gun. If your buddy had a blackout on your next spear fishing trip, think, what would the outcome of that be? Do you know how to revive someone from a blackout? Would you even be in a position to do something about it? Or would you be diving, chasing after a fish as your buddy sinks down to the bottom of the ocean? Do you know where most blackouts happen? Do you know what you can do to minimize your risk of having a blackout? My name is Ted Hardy, and I'm the founder of freedivingsafety.com. In my free online course, you will learn the truth about shallow water blackout, the myth of, I don't push myself, I know my limits, I'm in tune with my body, how to minimize your risk of having a blackout, and most importantly, how to save your buddy's life if they have one. Visit freedivingsafety.com to sign up for your free course today. Dive safe out there. It's just not even that hard. Ocean Guardian is the world's leading shark deterrent technology and the great news is they're now partners with the Noob Spiro podcast. You can save 10% on the Freedom 7 or Scuba 7 when you shop at Ocean Guardian. Uh, use the code Noob Spiro at checkout to save 10%. If you want to go there, easy, super easy, go to noobspiro.com forward slash OG. Sure for Ocean Guardian, pretty original, eh? Pump in the code Noob Spiro and you'll save 10% on your Shark Shield device. Get into it, get amongst it. Ocean Guardian are doing awesome things for Spiros. Toughest situation or scariest situation out in the water? Um, what's something that maybe scared the crap out of you or, uh, and, and you know, to walk us through it and kind of what your takeaways were, if you have any memorable ones? Um, look, yeah, looked up at one point on, on this one dive and, and half the boat, the back of the boat was under, under, under the water. <laughs> and I thought... <laughs> I hadn't been diving for that long at this point. And I was like, oh, wow, this doesn't look good. Pretty sure the back of the boat's not meant to be under the water. Um, and like, okay, made a beeline for the boat. Uh, my buddy was still diving and um, I didn't know where he was. There's his boat. I was like, wow, okay, what do, what do I do here? Um, so I just started, um, get, got a bucket and just started getting as much water out as I could and trying to look out for my, for my buddy and see where he was so I could sort of, Call, call out for him and get his attention. Um, yeah, did that for probably um, 10, 15 minutes and, and luckily um, he, he came back to the boat. And <laughs> <laughs> didn't really have to explain what was going on. He could see uh, <laughs> his boat was sinking. So that that was pretty scary at the time. Um, what happened there? Did the bilge, did the bilge fail? The bilge no, fell. He, didn't put, he didn't put the bung in. Oh, okay. All right. And uh, it was pretty easily solved. We just uh, we got the, pulled up anchor, got the boat going, and and as we drove along, uh, the water yeah. just drained out. Yeah. But yeah, like for a, for ten fifteen minutes, I was like, okay, at what at what period do I, do I think about calling emergency services? Yeah. How does yeah. it work? Should, you know, I should have used my iPhone. Maybe I should have done a, a boating safety course by now. Um, where are the flares? Like you know, all this stuff sort of going through your head. Mate, all of that strength and conditioning must have come in handy with just throwing buckets of water over while it continued <laughs> coming through the bunghole. <laughs> yeah, it was good. 
<laughs> good bit of a workout. That's yeah. for sure. Yep. A lot of guys talk about having two bilge pumps in the back of boats now, you know, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not 100 on it, but I'm pretty sure you can set up one so once the sensor gets covered, it automatically starts pumping it out. But you'd burn it out pretty quick if you got no bungs in the back of a boat. So, yeah, it's um the the no bung thing is like pretty common. Yeah. At least it wasn't my fault. You know, I was pretty relieved about that when all was said and done. The water's out the boat. We had a bit of a laugh about it, and um, <laughs> at least it wasn't me. They didn't put the bung in. So yeah, no, it's all good. All good. Yeah, sick. Any takeaways from that? You now take a bit more responsibility, making sure the boat's seaworthy. I do, you... I do actually. Yeah, I'll yeah. I'll check the bung before the boat goes in the water. I'll always try and remember to check the bung before the boat goes in the water. Yeah. So. I think one thing a lot of people do is we we we're happy to give all the responsibility to the skipper for the boat, but it's like you know a good a good crew person or a good boaty that's coming out. You know they're double checking some stuff. They're asking you where you know the flares and life jackets are. If the you know um marine safety come around you know you know how the radio works where the e-perb is um where the bungs are where the bilge pump control is like if you know all the stuff you're of far more utility to the skipper you know you're you're an extra pair of observant eyes and you're helpful you know like i, I think that's a, a big thing yeah i think you should really take some of that responsibility on board yourself when you go out on someone else's boat obviously the skipper does have you know um a lot of responsibility but you know You've, you should make it your responsibility to know how to get the boat in gear, how to, how to turn on. If there's any little things with the boat you need to keep in mind, like Kill you know, switch. Ask, ask the questions. Don't be afraid to ask the questions. You know, you might you might feel like a bit of a goose, but at the end of the day, if it's if it saves um, saves a boat or, or lives and all that, then you know it's it's worth it. You should definitely um, definitely worth asking the questions. Yep, love it. Oh, good. Well, um, Jared, you and I have been chatting backwards and forwards a little bit. Um, you developed a program a little while ago. Uh, you've got a website. It's up there, earthandoceanfit.com.au. This is the home of your – you've got online training programs. You had it for surfing. Have you still got that one going? Uh, no, I don't. No. Okay. But earthandoceanfit is uh, .com.au. Is kind of, if you want to connect with Jared and you're in the Perth metro area – Looking for a legendary Spiro trainer, it's probably a good place to go. Um, but you you have spent a long time thinking about intentional strength and conditioning training for spearfishing. Is that would that be fair to say? Yeah. So um, I started off doing surf strength programs. Um, I wanted to get online programs to to sell and um, start off with my first passion, which was surfing. And after real after a while, I realised I had this surf strength program up and running and I was hardly surfing anymore. I was actually doing a lot more, a lot more diving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then I thought, well, is there any strength, is there any um exercise programs out there for divers that takes mm. into account, you know, strength, strength training? Mm. I couldn't really find, couldn't really find much. So I thought, well, you know, I love designing programs. I love to designing specifically um exercise programs that are functional exercise programs. Mm. In other words, has a carryover to, you know, surfing or you're diving or whatever you want. You know, it's not just about looking good in front of the mirror. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was like, I'm going to use my expertise to design a program for Spiros because I, I kind of feel like it's, it's the missing link, you know, like everyone talks about 
full training, um, you know, your dry training, uh, cardio and getting out there and diving as much as possible. And, and all those things are, are fantastic. But um, I've dived a lot of guys who are really, um, they might be they might be dive fit, but quite, um, let's just say, body compositions are not great. Yeah, yeah. I can yeah. relate. I can relate. And, and uh, you know, really, you know, really big guys out, out of shape and, you know, um, it doesn't matter how good your breath hold is. If you if you get if you're getting injured, um, you know if you if your back stuffed or your shoulder stuffed, um, a lot of that stuff is preventable by doing the right type of strength training and the right type of stretch and mo- stretching and mobility work. Mm. So I thought, well, that's my thing, you know. So um, you know, functional exercise, stretching and mobility work, um, sports specific uh, program design. Why not put it into a program for Spiros? I love it. You're the exactly the kind of trainer that I would get for myself. I mean, I'll I'll tell you something. Like I've, I I had a personal trainer when I was uh, younger. I was doing a twelve week challenge or something, and this guy was all about like you know. He asked me what my motivation for doing the twelve week program was, and I was like, oh, I want to look good in front of the mirror. But you know, really, like it's about for me, it's about function. Like I want to be able to do more and just feel better about everything because you have more energy when you're in decent shape and stuff like that. But this young guy did not get it at all. He he just thought it was about, you know, getting the muscles, get the guns, get the girls. And what? I was just like, it, I don't know if it's every 20-year-old trainer or, or 20-something year yeah, old trainer. Yeah, generally speaking, look, if I'm honest, when I was in my 20s, I probably would have been quite similar. Yeah, yeah. I was probably I was kind of into my bodybuilding back in those days. Yeah. Um, and then um, you know, it was all about looking good. I didn't really I sort of didn't really care if it didn't feel too good. I was just, if I was, as long as I looked good, I was happy. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, I got a bit older, got back into my surfing in my 20s. I was living over in Victoria at the moment. And I remember paddling out of perfect bells and, um, you know, had these big freaking shoulders and these big arms. And I was paddling out <laughs> of bells and I was just perfect. And, you know, I got like five minutes into my paddle and my arms were so big and heavy. I was like, <laughs> what am I doing? You know, like, um, all this, all this training is just making me into a big, um, a big guy that that might look good, but has absolutely no functionality with surfing. Mm. So that's what I started to look a bit more about. Um, really look into program design, and I started to, <clears throat> I started to study through the Czech, uh, the Czech Institute. Mm. Um, a guy called Paul Czech that runs Paul uh, the Czech Institute, and. Um, it's, you know, I think it's some of the best, if not the best training that you can do as, as a PT or strength and conditioning coach. Um, it's very, it goes right into anatomy, um, injuries, um, how to avoid injuries, functional training or sports-specific training, program mm-hmm. design. Um, it's very intensive uh, courses that he runs. Mm. So I upskilled myself with with the Czech stuff. Got got out of the bodybuilding. Got got into my surfing a lot more. Started to um, train. I think as a trainer, you're always kind of training people like yourself. Like yeah. So for example, I lost interest in tra- in training as I got into my 30s. You know, I, I lost interest in training guys who just wanted to bench press as heavy as they could and look as good as they could. And I learned all this stuff through the Czech Institute of how to design effective exercise programs and start to use those skills and experiment on myself and on my clients mm. and start to attract clients 
who were more kind of middle-aged and they wanted to not just, obviously they want to look good as well, but they wanted to feel good. Um, they might have been surfers or played golf or whatever and they're like, I need a program that can help me on the golf course or to surf better. I've got a shoulder injury, I've got a back injury. And as I, you know, I was like, oh, wow, okay, with all this new knowledge that I learned through the, the Czech courses, I was like, I can help you with that now. It's like, and that, that opened up my world as a trainer as well and, yeah. and uh, started to enjoy it a lot more. I think like... Uh- when in the PT space, you don't meet a lot of trainers that have had longevity in the industry. And I think 20, 30 years doing something, you've reinvented yourself and your your mindsets around training must have changed and developed as well. And that's evident when when I chat with you. Like your motivations for it are a lot different than, than the trainers that I was exposed to when I was that age. So it's awesome because it's about function and it's about yes. – and, and I think with, with regards to developing a strength program around spearfishing, it's about making more of your spearfishing. I know for me – when I'm suffering with condition stuff, um, my calf muscles and ankles uh, don't do well under prolonged diving, you know, multi-day diving tricks. Like I just, I know I'm running out of like essential salts and, and hydration, but the, the physical conditioning is not there either. And, and probably cramp is onset is a lot earlier than it would be if I, if I did have a level, a, a better level of fitness. So anyway, I engaged you a couple of weeks back because I'm designing this, this program called Spear Ready. I already knew you had a program out before that was strength and conditioning focused. So I'm bringing you on as the Spear Ready um, strength and conditioning slash a little bit of um, nutritional advice uh, to help us develop a program that's going to be absolutely kick-ass for people. But for people that are just generally listening to the podcast and they are listening to our conversation are thinking, oh, yeah, like I haven't really incorporated any strength and conditioning intentional work into my into just, you know, maintaining a good level of spearfishing fitness. Talk us through, like, some practical, actionable stuff and maybe the potential benefits if they did. Okay, yeah. So doing the right type of exercises and stretching mobility exercises is crucial if you're training, whether it's golf or surfing or tennis or spearfishing. Knowing, knowing why you're doing an exercise. So, like, you know... Nearly 20 years being in gyms, I've seen people um, monkey see, monkey do, and they're literally, this is the latest exercise at the moment. So every every second person in the gym is doing an exercise, is doing that exercise. And if I was to walk up to a lot of them and say, why are you doing this exercise? They wouldn't have a clue. They're just following people and they're just kind of, oh, it looks cool and that guy looks good over there, so that's why I'm doing the exercise. Um, so what we want to do when we're training for spearfishing is and this is what I, I, I did. I had to ask myself when I was designing the program, you know, if why am I putting this exercise into the program? Is it going to help my spearfishing or is it going to negatively affect my spearfishing? Because a lot of the wrong exercises will actually negatively affect your spearfishing. So as a spearo, you need to train smart. The last thing you want to do is go into the gym and smash yourself or hurt yourself in the gym and then come the day you dive, you're too sore or injured to actually dive or have, or if you're able to dive to perform well in the water. So um, it's all about, yeah, looking looking at things like um, as a Spiro, okay, what's what, what are our aims? Okay, we, we need leg endurance. You know, legs obviously a big part of the fitting, leg strength and leg endurance. So, okay. 
we need to choose exercise that are obviously going to strengthen the legs. Um, okay, we need to do endurance-type training. So we need to do high rep stuff in order to train the, the legs to be to have endurance. Um, that's an example. Um, okay, what are the weak muscles on, on the legs? Okay, the glutes, the hamstrings, the hip flexors, they're generally weak muscles. When we do our leg exercises, we need to make sure we're choosing the exercises that are going to strengthen these weak muscles um, so that we have strong legs, so that we can have leg endurance. Um, I can go so far down rabbit holes with training. Yeah, right. I don't want to go too far down, you know, the rabbit holes. But, you know, so leg, leg endurance and strength is obviously is obviously something we look at. Uh, core strength is a big one. So swimming around mm -hmm. with a weight belt for hours at a time, um, you know, getting in and out of the boat, particularly with the weight belt on, um, rock hopping, um, all that stuff requires a certain amount of core strength, particularly to protect your back. So a lot of time you might not feel it at the time. I can dive the whole day, feel pretty good. But quite often a day or two afterwards, if those core muscles aren't strong, you can you can um, you can have a back injury mm. or very very sore back. So working on core strength, you know, um, you know, pulling up the anchor is another example. Working on working your Full body strength. So in other words, uh, most exercises you see in the gym just work on the one plane of strength, which is like like a squat or a push-up is working the one plane of strength. Um, as Spiros, you need to be, you need to be, you need to have all your muscles working together in all three range of, ranges of motion. Once again, it's getting a bit technical here, but um, you want to be strong, full body strength. So when you're pulling up an anchor or um, getting in and out of boats, um, loading your gun, you're strong in all three planes of motion. Um, upper, body, upper body strength is is another big one. Getting in and out of boat, particularly with it with a uh, with a weight belt, loading your gun numerous times. What well, one of the big ones I have is like pulling students' shafts out of out of rocks, <laughs> um, and you know, like wrestling with that. I, I think for me too, another thing is chest flexibility. You know, like when you are, uh, you know, when you're getting down in depth, you you know your your lungs contract and. You know, one of the biggest things that makes you feel uncomfortable is when you are not used to, um, you know, operating at residual volume or, or when you're under a few atmospheres of pressure, you know, your chest feels compact and that that makes us feel like we have that powerful urge to breathe and so you don't feel comfortable, so you're coming up, you know, earlier than you might have to. So um, do, you, do, you, do you do any work with that? I know it, it can be a risk area of high risk to train because you can, you know, you can do squeezes like your, your, your track here and your lungs. Yeah, I do a lot of stretching mobility stuff. That's part of that's part of all my all my programs, and particularly as Spiros, I think it's very important um, to keep the muscles around the rib cage um, and chest uh, flexible. Um, I don't I don't do any stuff that's high risk. I know there is some stuff, as you said, that you can do injuries. I think that's I think I've seen some stuff like hanging hanging on bars and doing some stuff. Yeah, with full inhalations and stuff like that, I, I don't do any of that. I, I really sort of take it back to basics and do um, do stretching mobility exercise that are going to um, sort of get my mobility through the spine, through the rib cage, through the chest. But um, they're certainly not high risk stuff. Yeah, a lot of stuff. They're very basic things. You can use a, a Swiss ball to do most of the stretches. Yeah, but I think. It's definitely a big part of the puzzle. Yoga is amazing, which is obviously why a lot of freedivers get right into their yoga. Um, but yoga takes a lot of time. Um, yeah. 
The stretching <laughs> mobility exercise that I use is like five or 10 minutes before you work out because basically before you go into your workout, yeah, it's all about balancing the body. So um, before you go into the workout, you basically want to make sure that you're moving well before you start to load your body up. So um, particularly like a lot of people are nine to five workers, they're sitting at a desk all day, they go into the gym and just absolutely smash themselves and they don't do the right stretch and mobility exercises and that just leads to injuries. So the stretch and mobility exercise is a very important part of, they should be a very important part of any training program. And like I said, do it five or 10 minutes before your training so you're moving well and that way you're a lot less likely to get injured when you go into your training program. But also you can use them on, on separate days. So in my um, in my Spear Fit program, I've got a separate, um, I think there's about five or six exercises there that are just to help um, breathing. So yeah, back and ab stretch, a chest stretch, all these all these stretching mobility exercises are going to help uh, to add mobility around your rib cage and your chest, which is going to help you breathe better, which is going to give you a um a better breath hold, more bottom time. Obviously, there's other factors to to put into that, but absolutely, it's I think it's crucial. So you're 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 coming on board to help me with this element of it for Spear Ready, which is pretty much like a zero to fifty days prep program for like if you've got a heading out on a big spearfishing charter, uh, a big trip where you've invested some money. Like I'm heading over to WA to compete in the nationals. I don't want to be a burden on my poor partner Tom that. Uh, asked me if I'd go over and help compete with them. So I am doing this program for the purposes of helping myself and I just thought other people might find it of use as well. I obviously knew of you from, you know, your spearfoot program at uh, Earth and Ocean Fitness. So you were like my first go-to guy for this thing. Like one of the things I think when you're designing a program is like we were chatting before we jumped on and it's like time, energy, you know, opportunity costs. Like... We get older, we get busier, and part of the reason we're arriving on these spearfishing charters underdone is because we've just been flat out building social credit up with our wives and families so that we can go and do these things. So haven't had any time to do any preparation. You get out there, your breath holds pathetic, your body feels like shit, and it takes three days to actually start enjoying the spearfishing charter or whatever. You know, like I know when I go over to WA, we're doing a swim comp. I'm going to be swimming. We're going to be swimming 2Ks flat out before we start punching out dives. And I don't want to just carry Tom Stringer around for him. I want to be useful to him and maybe shoot a fish or two as well. Uh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I, I know that I just I want to invest a little bit of time trying to get ready. So I'm stoked that you're helping out with this. Um, just while while we're chatting, guys, if you want to register and, and be part of the beta testing group, go to noobspero.com forward slash spear ready. So S-P-E-A-R-R-E-A-D-Y. I'm going to have a, a an interest form there. Sign up if you're interested in doing it. It'll be a super cheap price just as we launch it because we'll be testing it, looking for a lot of feedback and uh, making sure that we've got the right recipe. I'm going to be one of the first crash crash test dummies. I'm hoping that Jared might jump on as well and we might even do a couple of live video catch-ups and just see how people are going with the progression of it. I want to make it uh, something that we can rinse and repeat over and over again. Um, Whenever I've got a trip, I want to have a go-to program that I can do like fairly easily without being overwhelmed with all the other shit that I've got on my plate. Uh, But I want to be as ready as I can be, you know what I mean? So with a specifically targeted strength and conditioning package, you designed a program that was like two 45-minute sessions a week. Is that right? And why was that your sort of – 
why, where, why did you come up with that modality? Yeah. Um, so, you know, like as Spiros, I think generally speaking, as Spiros, we're not really um, um, gym fanatics. We don't want to be spending hours and hours in the gym. We want to be out diving instead. Um, so I designed it specifically or purposely with not too much volume in the program. So, um, you know, as, as Spiros, I don't think you need to be, you certainly don't need to be training like a bodybuilder, which will require hours and hours and hours in the gym. You know, that's not our aim. Um, you don't need to be a crossfitter who's just going, you know, fanatic on the crossfit stuff. You don't need to be a triathlete. Um, I put in the minimum stuff that I could for the greatest sort of um, the greatest outcome. Um, I think the good thing with, with the two times a week is we can combine that with cardio and pool training and dry training to make a really good program. I think the spear, I think the spear ready program with all these things in it are going to be a fantastic all round program. If we did too much strength training and combine that with the pool training, the dry training, the cardio training, you'd have to be training five, six days a week to get it all in. So yeah, um, yeah it's it's its volume has been kept low on purpose. And once again, it's targeted. I'm like, when, when I was designing the program, like, what exercise is going to have a high carryover to spearfishing? Mm. Is this exercise going to have a high carryover? High carryover? Is it not? Mm. If it's not, it's not in the program. You know, I've streamlined it. You don't need to go into a gym. I, I see a lot of guys just sitting on machines all day long in gyms. That's not going to have a high carryover. High carryover to spearfishing. Mm. Um, so it's designed with minimal equipment as well. So. Uh, we want to make it as easy as possible for guys and girls who may not be members of a gym to use. Mm. So the program will probably be, will probably just require a Swiss ball, which you can get for like 30, 40 bucks um, and a pair of adjustable dumbbells um, to do the program. So you'd be able to do it at home or at the gym. Which you can get on Facebook marketplace for about five bucks now, now that COVID's finished. The adjustable dumbbells. Yeah, no, no, like a little bit more than that, but um, they, you know, you can stack on weight as you want, and then um, that Jeep is like during COVID, every bit of home gym equipment was so hectically. Priced. I know you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't even get a lot of stuff had run out. Yeah, um, definitely the right would have definitely would have been the right business to be in during those. Oh, Yep. Yeah, but then after that, everything returns back to normal. Like it was just after that, I saw a lot of uh, a lot of gym equipment on lawns. Yeah, um, out Great. front of people's houses. <laughs> so, so, so adjustable dumbbells and a Swiss ball and two sessions a week, and we're we're combining that with um with with a bit of pull training if you can get to it or dry training. What the 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 thing I was thinking about in terms of program designers every week they get sent out a program, and it's kind of like good, better, best, right? So, you know, for for like let's just say we'll we'll take working on apnea. So the good will be like, you know, like a dry training program that will take 10 minutes and you, you do that three times a week. Better will be like, um, you know, two 25-minute dry training programs and a pool session. And then best will be one dry tra training program and two or three either pool or ocean days. If you go spearfishing, you can kind of like, me personally, if you go out for a day of spearfishing, you can just cut one thing out of the program every week. Because I think going spearfishing is probably 
one of the best things you can do to prepare for it. But if we're honest, like we don't all have that availability all the time, you know, like, oh, hey, I've got half an hour, but, you know, what can I still achieve in that half an hour? So that'll be the intent of the program is to make it so like, oh, hey, this week I can only do good because I've just got too much shit on. But if if I can do it, then better. And if I've got a little bit extra, again, I can do best. And you know you're going to get the best return on on your effort if you if you put in the most. But the reality of life is that sometimes we can't do it. And I was going to ask you with the strength and con- conditioning component to it, one thing I was hoping we could do is just introduce guys to the, like you were talking about the stretching component and then maybe the exercise component. Perhaps they can't get through the full 45-minute workout. Will there be a version of like a stripped-down version where it's like, hey, I'm, I can only do like two 15-minute sessions this week. What do you think is the best bang for my buck? Yeah, I think we I think we can um, definitely design it to um, with some more flexibility. I mean, as it is, for example, um, you know, some parts of the program will give you the choice of doing less sets. For example, example, we could do sort of two sets instead of three sets. Yeah. Which would cut cut the length of the of the workout down. You could always cut the program, each program in half and sort of do instead of 45-minute sessions, do sort of two 20-minute sessions. Yeah. Instead of instead of that. So um obviously you're not you're not going to get the same results. But like I always think, you know, and this is the idea of good, better, best, like you know, sometimes people either go, I've got to go whole hog or nothing. And it's like sometimes, like, just give yourself a pat on the back. Like, you haven't got jack shit time this week. I get it. I 100% get it. So, but doing something is going to be, you know, 80% better than doing nothing. And doing the whole program is going to be obviously be the best. But I just want to simply just make it practical for, for nearly all people, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, I see that in, in the gym all the time. People go go nuts for like, you know, a month or two and they're training, they've got, you know, they're training three or four times a week and then they just give up because it's too hard, family commitments and all the rest of it. Um, so um, That's that perfectionism we were talking about again too. <laughs> but, you know, I'm in the same boat as you, you know, like I'm a, a middle-aged guy with a couple of young kids and, um, you know, I realise not everyone's got the time to be doing lots of training because I'm one of them now. So I've designed the program with that in mind and I think we can scale things to, I think what you've said, you know, um, with, the, with the different options, I think it's fantastic. And I think um, the more user-friendly we can make it, the better. And if people have a little less time one week, then, yeah, I think we'll definitely sort of take that into account and have different options, different training options. Mm. Um, but at the end of the day, like it's accountability as well, you know, like if you get to the end of the program and you've trained once a week or you've missed two weeks of the program, you've also got to be accountable and don't go, oh, that program didn't work for me. That was that was that was rubbish. Go, okay, be honest with yourself. I trained, I try I trained once like, I missed two weeks and I trained once the week before and you know all the rest of it. But I drank uh, 48 beers on Saturday and I've heard uh, it all before, smoked mate. two I've cigars. Heard, I've been in the industry for 20 years. I've heard all the excuses. Yeah. So yeah. 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 I think Again, like going back to being an older, wiser trainer, I think too, like you, you know, you start to recognize some of the psychology behind motivation, self-discipline, self-will, and then kind of being realistic and avoiding that perfectionism. And like, I think you've got all of that in spades. If I was living in the Perth area and I was wanting a trainer, I'd, I'd come and come and train with you for sure. Thanks, mate. And that's that's another reason why I actually stopped talking to talk to my clients about nutrition because. 
for about 10 years there, I was preaching nutrition, you know, I was <laughs> training clients and they're like, oh, why haven't I lost this last bit of fat? And I'm like, you've got to eat this and don't eat that and stop drinking during the week and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I got to a point I realized you can talk about this stuff until the sun comes up. Yeah. <laughs> that client, when they go home after work or after training session, if they want to eat a bag of cheesels, they're going to eat a bag of cheesels. It doesn't yeah. matter what you say. So although, although nutrition um, is super important and we are going to delve into that in our training program, um, you know, you, you can lead a horse to water but you can't make a drink. Yep. Yeah. I think keeping it simple too, like I, I noticed like I lost seven or eight kilos in the last sort of, I don't know, four or five months and I wasn't intentionally doing it. I, I simply wanted to get healthier. My joints are starting to feel like shit and I blame sugar. I listened to a real good podcast on Andrew Huberman with the sugar guy and I was just like, right, it's gone. It's gone. I, I still have one sugar in my coffee. I just can't get away from it. I will exchange it for a sweetener every now and then, but that stuff's shit too. Like it's real bad if you got microbiome, as you, as you know, you know all the stuff. But I was uh, all I've pretty much done is cut out liquid calories. So I don't drink soft drink, and I've been largely off the booze. Largely, uh, you know, like I still occasionally, but um, and that's made a massive difference. You know, just getting rid of sugar and liquid calories, and then that's pretty much all I've done. I just I try to add more green and more color to my plate. And I still like eating heaps, like, I, but just that and trying to train regularly, and that's been enough to. Yeah, just... mate, it's 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 an area that's just so overcomplicated, and mm. um, I'm not a diet guy, you know. Um, the diets obviously don't work. See, so people put on weight, lose it, put on weight, lose it. I yeah. like to keep it simple. I'm a simple guy. Keep it simple, stupid. Um, you know, you know, cut out the processed carbohydrates. You know, I try not to drink during the week. Um, intermittent fasting—I know it's a bit of a, a bit of a, um, a fad at the moment, but I find it really works well. Um, you know, I try to eat before ten thirty, and I'll try to stop eating at six thirty. Okay. Um, saying that on the weekend, you know, if I go to a party or go out, whatever, like I'm not going to beat myself up if I'm eating at eight thirty that night or have a few drinks. Mm. Um, but you know. Like I said, we're not training to be triathletes or or, or, um, or bodybuilding competitions or, or CrossFit competitions. If, if that's your thing, don't get me wrong, it's awesome. Mm. But spearfishing, you know, we really want to just keep it simple and just try to avoid um, avoid certain foods, you know, try to eat a little bit less if you're overeating. Um, you know, if you're not moving, get out and move, you know, get out and do, do the strength training program, do the pool training Um just get off the couch and um, yeah. Awesome. Guys, if you are interested in doing this program and I, and I really want a bunch of frothers in there, I want people that are going to help Jared and I continue to make this program better and better because version one is going to probably look a lot different than version six um, and it's going to be reflected by a super bargain basement price. So if you're out after a Noob Spear actionable bargain, um, sign up, go to noobspear.com forward slash spear ready and um, just Fill out the fill out the forms pretty quick. Some fast questions, and then um, you can jump on the beta program and test the hell out of this thing. Let us know um, what you think is good, what we need to maybe add more of, what we could do with less of. But the way it's going to get good is by your feedback. And like we, Jared and I were talking about time limits, and my my personal time limit for it was 50 days and that's largely because I can get this thing ready to go 50 days before I head over to uh, go on the WA Spearfishing Nationals with Tom. 
Now I got 50 days to prepare. I also thought that that, in terms of motivation and a and a decent sort of runway, was probably like maybe the maximum I could commit to. Like, um, I don't personally want to follow some like program for longer than that because it's always going to be out of my mindset. I feel like 50 days is achievable though. I, what do you think though? You you like the idea of an eight week program? I'm a bit shy of that. Um, yeah, look, it's usually, you know, the most common week programs are, are an eight or 12 week program, mm. but you know, and, and it used to bother me when people come into the gym, like, oh, I want the beach body or want to, you know, I want to hit my, all my goals in, in 12 weeks or eight weeks. But for, for spearfishing training, I think, um, a seven or eight week program is ideal mm. um, and it's, it's a start. I mean, mm. It's, I think it's. I think you can get a lot out of it before a spearfishing trip um, if you stick to the program for seven or eight weeks. But at the same time, like, you know, my, my philosophy on health and fitness and training is, you know, I'm in it for the long run and I want my yeah. clients to fit and healthy when they're in their, into their 50s, 60s and 70s. Um, so, you know... Do the program, get your results, and you're going to feel it out in the water when you do get out in the water. Um, it's going to work. It's going to help you. But, you know, after your spearfishing trip, you know, if, if you are a big drinker or you, you tend to just, you know, be a bit lazy and you don't train, whatever, don't go back to just kind of just, oh, okay, I've done my spearfishing trip now, got some great fish, and now I'm just going to sit <laughs> on the couch and kind of not train anymore. I, you know, I like to look at it as a long-term thing. So yeah, yeah. it's a fantastic starting point and it's going to get you ready for that spearfishing trip. Um, but yeah, definitely consider after your spearfishing trip, doing some more training and keeping yourself, keep yourself ready, you know, keep yourself spear ready. So when you do get out in the water, um, you know, you're up for it. Guys, Jared's been a gentleman to do this section with us. Um, if you want to follow him, I want to give him a plug right now. Go to Earth and Ocean Fit on Instagram or Earth and Ocean Fit on YouTube. He's got some fantastic videos up there, uh, earthandoceanfit.com.au. Um, and if you're interested in signing up for this program, having a bit of a crack at it, noobspero.com forward slash spear ready. I reckon it's going to be pretty cool. I'm glad you've come on board, Jared. Like, um, uh, You're the perfect person for this, so it's going to be cool. Thanks, Rick. I appreciate it. Um, I think we're going to have a really good product and um, I think if we can help as many Spiros out there as possible, uh, that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, very, very appreciative for um, for your time and having me oh, on the show. And, I wasn't, uh, I wanted to ask you a few more questions. I just wanted to wrap up that section neatly if oh, that's okay. all right. <laughs> no, 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 no. I love I the natural stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, have, I have time to get a glass of water. Can you come the harder of saying grab a glass of water, brother. Hey, guys, not sure how you stay hydrated out on the boats on those long days out on the water, uh, but staying hydrated is absolutely critical to towards good equalization and looking after your body, making sure you're not doing those awkward one-legged kicks to the surface when, when one leg cramps out on you. Go to aqualite.com.au and get yourself a box of sachets. You just simply add them to water. It's less than $1.28 per serve. It's cheaper and cheaper and healthier than any other sports drinks on the market. Aqualite will make a difference in your spearfishing. Check it out at aqualite.com.au. Use the code NoobSpiro to save 10% on any order. Check it out. Aqualite, made in Western Australia.
Legends, get your froth on with some Noob Spiro gear. The Jobfish Tribute, Spiro Dad, Rancid Pelican, from flip-flops, crocs and socks, through to hats, shirts and stickers. Get your froth on with Noob Spiro at noobspiro.com. Guys, welcome back to the most awkward break that we've ever had on the podcast. I made Jared feel like we were wrapping the podcast up, but I still had some more stuff. As mentioned, um, go to noobspiro.com forward slash spear ready if you wanted to register for that. But Jared, I wanted to ask you, we've got more to go. You seem like you like to have fun and you sound like you've got some wild dive buddies. I'd love to hear about one of your funniest times out on the boat. You know, I was trying to, I was trying to think of that. And, um, no awkward poo stories. No, sorry, mate. What? I don't know. How can you be discreet? With code Browns out wide. I don't know. Well, I think we're just too civilized. Maybe the crew and dive really just too civilized. And maybe I'm a bit too serious out there because I, I mean, we have laughs. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but um, there's no one moment that I can really think of that um, that was you know super funny. I'm sorry, sorry to disappoint. Do you take uh, music out with you? Do you take it like a sound box or anything out? Um, no, no. But we've started to play a little bit of radio. A little bit of radio on the, on the boat just recently. I'm yeah. thinking you need Katy Perry. You need like, <laughs> you need yeah, like, you need something loud <laughs> and obnoxious. Everyone has to dance. Like that, that, it just, like, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I love those things. They get everyone like laughing and just ridiculous. And it's like you just shake off all the bullshit behind you. You leave it and uh, you're ready for a dive, you know, like a good belly laugh. Like someone being ridiculous. That shit is like so good, man. I'd encourage you to do it. I, th- I think you're right. Yeah. Um, look, there's the banter. There's always the banter, you know, like yeah. if someone misses a fish or whatever and, you know, you try and pay out pay out on them in, ir- in a respectful kind of a way or know them really well before you, you know, pay out, yeah. pay out on them too much. So there's, oh. a lot of, there's a lot of banter going on. But, um, I yeah, crossed that line. Try, maybe try, try Ka- Katy Perry on the way out. <laughs> Do it, brother. Do it. Um, all right. Uh, we've got two quick sessions to go. Um, what's in your dive bag? So you started off with a 1.3 Rob Allen. What are you using now? Yeah, still got, still got the 1300, but I haven't used it in quite some time. That's my spare gun. Um, particularly at the moment, there's, there's Mackies, Mackies around, so that's coming out on the boat with me tomorrow. Um, my 1100 Rob Allen roller is uh, a oh, gun I've had for probably – uh, probably a year and a half or so, and I, I absolutely love it. Ah, oh, my just language. It. Like it's yeah. it's accurate. It's 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 um, it's easy to use. It's tough. It's versatile. You know, you can shoot your reef fish. You can you can shoot a pelagic with it. Um, got the sixteen mil rubbers on it, so pl- plenty of punch. Oh, and right. I just love it. So that's that's my go to gun. That's the gun I use most of the time. Fins, have you upgraded? I remember saying you started in plastics. Oh yeah, upgraded pretty soon after that. I've spent a lot of money on, on fins. Probably my wife probably just gets sick of uh, me coming home with a new set of fins. Um, I upgraded just... pretty soon after that to um, to my um, diver penetrator. Divers, yep, yep. diver composites. Nice. Yep, they're they're a great fin for. I don't do a lot of shore diving, but. When I shore dive, the composites are on. Or when I cray bash in shallow water and stuff, love the composites still. Yep. Uh, and then I've got uh, upgraded once again to um, the Carbonios. Okay. Red eye fins. Yep. 
which um, I use most of the time. Um, I find them very good in most conditions, but if there's too much current... They're too soft. Yeah, they're, they're a little bit too soft. If it's mm. good conditions, particularly um, diving a bit deeper, I love the Carbonios. Yeah. Um, so they're my fins. Um, I'm rocking a Cressy, uh, Cressy wetsuit. That's great. Uh, Tracina, Tracina. Yeah, that's great suits. Yep. Fantastic suit. Fits me like a glove. I think it's. I think it fits my body type well. I'm a pretty short, stocky guy. It tends to tends to fit well and be pretty tough wetsuit as well. Um, I've got an old school Cressy mask. Just looking at my gear. <laughs> yeah, you're all right. Yep. Old school Cressy mask. I'm, I'm not sure what they're called. Is there anything different you do with your gear? Any like thing that you do a lot different than your buddies? Um. Well, with my, it's not necessarily different, but I'll give a recommendation for this mask that I've got, even though I can't remember the name of it. I'll show it to you in a minute. But um, it's it suits a narrow face. I've got quite a, a narrow face. Okay. And I found most, or the dive masks, or most most dive masks are actually too too wide for my face. They leak. Mm-hmm. Um, Occhio? Occhio? Okay. All right. Yeah, right, eh? It's an old school mask. Apparently, they've been making this mask for, I think, about thirty or forty years. Sick. It's it's fantastic. Like I said, it suits my face. It fits on my face really nicely, and it's not the lowest profile mask in the world. But I'm not I'm not diving forty meters or anything. So yeah, yeah, with Spiros. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, I love it, man. Um, all right, let's head on out with a faster paced round of questions. You might have heard a couple of these before. Um, what is the single best piece of advice you've ever been given for spearfishing? Look, I've heard this on your podcast before, and it's leave your ego at the shore. Oh, <laughs> leave your ego at the shore. Um, and you know, that's one. Th- it's all, I'm almost glad that I didn't start spearfishing in my in my twenties because I'm not sure I'd still be around, to be honest. Mm. Um, I think you know you've you've got to find your limits and dive within those limits and. Look, it's hard, you know, you don't want to be the guy on the boat with no fish at the end of the day, so it's very easy to push yourself. Um, but particularly when you're diving alone, you have to learn where your limits are. You have to keep the ego out of it. That's your best way of having a safe dive and returning returning home with fish and, yep. So, Love it. Yep. All right, two more quick questions. What would be your fish of a lifetime? Oh, you know, it's got to be big doggy or a marlin, I think, something, you know. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Would you get a Would you get a full mount done, or would you like to? Um, I haven't really thought that far ahead. <laughs> mm, big plaster cast, if, if possible. Yeah, oh. I'd consider it. Yeah. <laughs> how, how expensive are they? Uh, reasonably, like particularly with a large one. But there's some guys that are just magic at it around. Uh, another way to immortalise it, and a, another big massive plug for Derek Derek dot on Instagram. He's just a legend. Um, that is a way to immortalize a special fish. And I've done it with a couple from WA. I'm so grateful for it. Like it's, uh, you, you've always got the story of the fish and now you've got a bit of artwork that reminds you of it too. I I love gear, Tucker. Derek is one of the main reasons for that. Like he, he, he um, he's such a thoughtful man, like in terms of spearing, like he hasn't been doing it a hell of a long time either, but he's very intentional about the way that he does things. And his artwork is exactly like that as well. And I really have a developed a deep level of appreciation for it. So that'd be a cool way to do it. Absolutely. I was just thinking that, um, looking at that picture behind you, I, th- I think uh, I'm, I'm diving with Derek tomorrow, actually. Ah, sick. 
So uh, he's, he's a great guy. He's a really yeah. thoughtful guy. He's a fantastic, talented artist, obviously. Um, and yeah, if I can't if I can't afford afford the uh, the cast, maybe just a picture from Derek. I'm not sure how much he charges, but Super. he should charge a lot. He should charge a lot because they're beautiful. They they oh. really are fantastic. So yep. he's got it, he's got it to a fine fine art. All right, last question, brother. Um, yep. Big philosophical one. What does the spearfishing experience mean to you in one sentence? Oh, one sentence. That's hard yeah, for a That's all you get. That's all I've you thought get. about this. Um, yeah, okay. We, we, t- we touched on, on the start all the usual reasons, but um, for me, it, it really does challenge me on so many levels and makes me a better person. And it makes me a more, a more humble person. And I know, I know uh, humility is something that's kind of thrown around as a bit of a, a niche word these days. Mm. But when I get out of the ocean, I feel I feel humble. Like I just, and it's just not it's not a fake humility. It's really like yeah, really place on the planet, and how lucky you are to dive. And it's just the whole experience just really humbles humbles me. So um, spearfishing you know, makes me humble. Love it. Okay, let's go with that. Spearfishing makes me Mate, humble. That, that was a really cool little value set for that, and it really framed up our conversation in a neat way. Jared, you're an absolute legend, mate. Earthandoceanfitness.com.au. It's up on Instagram, YouTube. Again, he's got a bunch of free training videos up there if you're interested. Uh, he's absolutely, like, completely knowledgeable and passionate about what he does. Jared, it's been great to have you on the show, mate. Awesome, mate. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate it. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed some of the more philosophical elements of our conversation today with Jared. Some um, some big thoughts that went into it and... Um, an absolute legend. You could tell how passionate he is about what he's doing. Uh, he took it on later in life. And I think sometimes it gives you um, a real appreciation for what you're doing. And he, uh, that's evident in everything. He is a, he's a proper frother. So awesome. Jared, mate, thanks for coming on the show. I, um, I've got a whole bunch of wicked episodes coming up in 2024. I've already recorded a whole bunch. And I'm excited about what we're, what we're getting up to. Obviously, we talked about the Spear Ready program. I'd encourage you to check it out and register if you want to help us test it. Go to noobspiro.com forward slash Spear Ready and register for this 50-day program, which is designed to get you ready for the trip of a lifetime. So I've arrived underdone before, um, and it's not great. I would love to arrive for this WA comp that I'm going in and not feel underdone. So if you're interested, noobsbrow.com forward slash spear ready. But legends, I just want to thank you for sharing the podcast with your mates, telling them about an episode, getting them hooked on the Noob Spiro, the spearfishing life. And um, those that go the extra mile that put fuel in the Noob Spiro outboard, the patrons powering this podcast on an episode by episode basis at patreon.com forward slash Noob My hat's off to you. Next week, Robert Schmaus, we're going to talk about going spearfishing in Panama. So hold on to your hats. It's a good one. He's a really interesting character. I'll catch you then, guys. See ya. Oh, actually, hey, that's going to come out tomorrow, hopefully. So double double Noob Spiro podcast this week. All good, my friend. Catch up. Are you a vegan? Do you find yourself easily offended? Fuck the tax man is definitely not for you. It's tongue-in-cheek to the absolute max. This is a fishing brand unlike anything else out there made for our fishing community by Ryan, who is a legend for show just like you and me. 
Use the code NoobSpirit to score a free hat of your choice at noobspirit.com forward slash taxman when you spend $100 or more. Flip the lid on self-censorship and get your froth on with Fuck the Taxman. Again, use the code NoobSpirit to score a free hat of your choice at noobspirit.com forward slash taxman when you spend $100 or more. Boom. Adreno stocks equipment for noobers. The gear you need for all things freediving and spearfishing. The Adreno spearfishing team froth on helping customers learn about the latest in spearfishing equipment, local diving, upcoming trips and events for spearos of all levels of experience. There's no ego in there. You're going to meet cool people that love this spearing lifestyle as much as you do. Visit them in store in one of their huge mega stores around Australia. Chat to one of their friendly team members. Take advantage of the Noob Spiro discount code. Save $20 on every purchase over $200 in store, online, easy savings. Pump in the code Noob Spiro for shopping online or in store. Mention it's one of their friendly team members and save $20 over $200. That's right, use the code Noob Spiro in store. Shop with Adreno, our partner for more than 200 episodes. Buying gear online can be tricky. You ask yourself the same questions. Will it arrive on time? Is it actually what I want? How much is a shipping going to cost? Great news, the name you can trust is Neptonics. Neptonics, solid gear that works. Visit Neptonics, buy tough gear. Use the code Noob10 to save 10%. That's right, use the code Noob10, N-O-O-B-10, to save 10% on your order at neptonics.com. Noob Spirit. 